Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Ron, good afternoon, everyone. Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. Welcome to week three of the 12 days at TMC. And uh, as we've done each of the past two weeks to kick off the week, a special edition of the last week in mortgage today. Decided to keep it as part of the agenda for 12 days. And we went to our all-star crew of co-hosts for these three special editions. And uh, let me take a moment to introduce those co-hosts. First up, uh, TMC Network fan favorite, uh, Chief Lending Officer of PRMG, Kevin Peranio. KP, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Rich. Happy to be here. Happy holidays. I don't know what day we're on, but man, I love this tradition. Thank you for having me be a part of it. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, also uh, in the co-host slot today, uh, wanted to bring on Scott Weintraub, the internal audit manager from longtime TMC partner MQMR, just because the work that they're doing right now, so critical, helping managers, uh, our lenders manage their enterprise uh, risk management, compliance, internal audit, all really, really hot button issues for our members right now and uh, a topic of interest for sure. So we wanted to bring Scott on to get his thought on all those really critical issues. So Scott, thanks for joining us, bud. Rich, thanks so much for having us on. I'm excited to be here. And Kevin, great to be on with you. Looking forward to the discussion. Hey, you too. Thank you. So let's get right into it. Uh, KP, before we get into the mean guy from uh, better.com, you weren't buying loans off any of those brokers in in that brawl in uh, New York by any chance, were you? (laughs) <laughs> that's is when zoom calls go wrong for sure that uh that video was interesting you know we we had a pretty big party up there prmg where we're, we have a big presence in new jersey uh both wholesale and retail and we threw a party over at the brigada and uh we had it one night and then i think cross country had a party another night and supposedly that was like out in the lobby bar of the main hotel at Harrah's where you check in by the front desk and there's that little coffee and a little bar. And I think it was some dudes from Freedom and Round Point that were just squaring off. That's that's the lowdown I got. Uh, you know, it it looked like a, it looked like a fun little event. You know, sometimes, you know, you just got to let it all out. And uh, I mean, I, I maybe that's probably not the classiest thing to say. I, I, I like to stay away from fights and it's not my thing, but. Hey, I get it. I understand. You know, sometimes, you know, competition's fierce in New Jersey, right? You get to Atlantic City, you just feel like you want to start rumbling with people. So, uh, yeah, glad, glad we weren't part of it, but it was fun to watch from the sidelines. Oh, too funny. And the better.com guy, I mean, you know, we've talked about it in the last couple of shows, but uh, what a what a disaster that was. Yeah, that guy is, um, you know, I have this saying, I've said it on this before. Remember when we first got together in the pandemic talking about uh, the secondary market being cold, heartless, and unforgiving. Um, <laughs> we can add, uh, we can add Bishal Garg to that list. Uh, you know, he gets money and fires 900 people, you know, right before Christmas on a zoom call. I, I know, I know, you know, look, whoever gave him money, SoftBank whoever else is wrapped up in that. I think Goldman Sachs is an investor. They value people cutting costs and cutting staff. That's what happens when you want to go public. I'm so glad that the members of TMC are not cold, heartless, and unforgiving. 
it's awful when you have to get rid of one person. That's how we always look at our teammates. And so to see the way this went down, it just, it just philosophically doesn't align with the mortgage collaborative or my company or anybody's company that I know. Unless, of course, you know, you are backed by that kind of uh, thought, that Wall Street mentality, that hedge fund, equity firm, bank mentality. I mean, hell, even most banks wait until they do it either in October before Thanksgiving month or they do it in January after the holidays are over when they're going to do it. But, man, God, it's just just an awful, awful way to do business. And uh, But whatever, man. You know, it's like uh, that's not us. And I'm glad to be part of a group like TMC that just we don't roll like that. Yeah, Rich, do you mind, could I jump in and, and maybe add something real quick to that? Absolutely, yes. So, so first, I thought Kevin made a great point in that it is awful when any company has to lose even one person, let alone when they, when it has to be a group of people, or obviously in that case, a large group of people. Um, and besides, I think the obvious that people may have seen or felt about what they read about or maybe heard about this particular incident, from my perspective, as someone that helps clients, what I saw is there's some very real lessons there. And for example, one of the audits, Rich, that our company does is one of a company's human resources department. And I think it's really important. And I think what I would take away from that is what, you know, for any company, what are our policies? It's one thing bringing people in. Companies want to hire people all the time. And that's a good day for an organization. But what about when someone does leave or when you do have to make a decision to let someone go in an involuntary way? Um, How is that handled? And what, you know, do you even have a process? Is it followed? Who is involved in the communication? And obviously we saw that communication is extremely important in situations like this. And so I think, um, you know, for someone working at a company, that I think is a big takeaway to think about, well, while we might not do that, what are our processes like and have we thought of everything? And like to, and to Kevin's point, would it go as smoothly as something like that can go in that unfortunate situation? And are you are you prepared for that? Yeah. Risk management is more than just hedging a pipeline correctly, right? I mean, I remember exactly. my last bank job, we had a chief risk officer and, uh, you know, he could be a pain in my ass at times, but uh, he was a good guy to go to uh, for any kind of situation. And, you know, he, there was seven different classifications of risk that he had broken down into this whole, uh, like coaching tree type looking, uh, document that, uh, you know, let me know as a leader, uh, all the different things that, uh, you know, he had to watch out for as we navigated the waters and, and ran the company. So yeah, a case study that will be used, I'm sure in, in future college courses on not, not how to handle uh, staffing decisions that are tough uh, as we move forward. So, indeed. Um, and I want to get into, uh, uh, Scott, this recent CFPB uh, supervisory findings, which I found really interesting as of our members. But before we go there, KP yep. got the Fed meeting coming up these next couple of days. Um, you know, this is kind of a big one in that uh, the wide expectation is that the Fed will formally implement and incorporate new language related to an accelerated taper. Maybe two schools of thought. One would be a doubling of the current pace of taper, reduction of bond purchases. Another would be maybe a 50% increase in the taper. Uh, any thoughts you have about the upcoming Fed meeting? Anything you're looking for? Uh, any predictions from the norm? 
KP. You want me to give you the uh, my Fed outlook, huh? Wow, this is Fed outlook. I hate I hate to use hyperbole, but this this is one of the most important Fed meetings we've experienced mm. in a long time, uh, and and I really mean that. And I don't I hate you know you watch CNBC clips and they're always using hyperbole and they're always saying stuff like that. But this time there's there's something to it because you know we just went through the Fed uh, nomination. Uh, renomination process. Lyle Brainerd couldn't get the votes on the Hill. They did their little straw poll behind the scenes. Um, didn't, didn't happen. So uh, Jay Powell gets the renomination and the Fed governors that are leaving are going to get packed with, um, you know, most, most likely Biden administration. Um, uh, favorable policymakers. That's kind of the idea is the compromise by not getting Lyle Brainerd on there. And, you know, we had this huge, huge shift that we announced the taper, that we're going to taper. We're talking about talking about taper. Then we said we're going to taper. Then we said how much we're going to taper. And then today and tomorrow, they're going to say, we're probably going to double the taper, which is a big deal. And then when it would separately, uh, besides reducing, you know, uh, from five to 10 billion a month in mortgage-backed security purchases, which the Fed is, owns 30% of the mortgage-backed securities. I mean, they're a humongous buyer. And they're going from 10 to potentially 20 billion a month in treasuries. It's going from 15 to 30 billion to bring that down. Originally thought last month, one month ago by June, now maybe May or earlier, that they'll be done with their quantitative easing. And then separately from tapering and the details for that, what are they going to do with raising the Fed fund interest rate? Are they going to raise it 25 basis points? How soon? Will it be one, two, or three? raises of the Fed funds rate next year. And the calculus has changed. Inflation is no longer transitory. They try to say it's transitory, it's transitory. Okay, well, what we mean by transitory is not permanent. Oh, yeah? No, no, really? Of course. When you have a multi-trillion dollar balance sheet, I mean, not permanent for you is great. If I'm working class or a renter or unemployed, worse yet, everything hurts. Everything hurts, whether it's transitory, permanent, not permanent, here for a month, a minute, it doesn't matter a year or two. These reads, the 6.8% on the consumer price index, today's freaking eight, like almost 9%, um, get, getting up to a 10% handle on a producer price index. These are massive, massive numbers. And even if it they, they do ease, even if supply chain constraints do ease, even if demand backs off, it still hurts. And that's a problem in an election year next year on the midterms, when you know there's a razor thin majority in the House and Senate currently, so we're going to see a massive uh, potential shift in markets. For those of you that are that are traders and stock, you know, equity, you know, players, you know, like to you know dabble in that kind of stuff. You've seen just massive sell off the last couple of weeks. People tax loss harvesting and positioning themselves for this Fed announcement. There could be a surprise tomorrow, so it will impact our interest rates. It'll impact um, you know what are they going to say about growth now. The flip side is retail sales also comes out on the same day. And I, 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 did, I did a LinkedIn video about a lot of this stuff last night. And uh, one of the things that, that I talked about, it's, I heard something over the weekend I'd never heard before. We always hear our economy, our GDP is 70% consumer spending. We hear that over and over and over. I never saw that broken down into someone said the top 20% of income earners spend 60% of all of that consumer spending, which is 
of our uh, of our economy. That, that that sounds like seventy percent of the time it works all the time, right? But but yeah, seventy percent of our spending is in the in the GDP and the economy. It's consumer spending, and the top twenty percent spend sixty percent of that. They're not affected by inflation. And let's be honest, the, all, all of us on this call, we're in that bracket. We're best. We're in the mortgage business. We kick ass. We work hard for it. But uh, are we not going to get a turkey because it's fifty cents more per pound? Are we not going to fill up our gas tank because it's fifty cents more a gallon or even a dollar a gallon? Of course we are. It hurts the poor, and that that's the voting class, and that's going to be a real problem next year. So I think the retail sales numbers will be strong, and I and I say this time and again. There's a huge widening of the middle class going on in America, and it just puts even more impetus on us to teach financial literacy and put people in houses. Well said. And uh, yeah, a big, another big inflation number this past Friday and certainly starting to uh, be more felt on Main Street, public opinion polls. And uh, as you said, KP, uh, one of the most anticipated Fed meetings in quite some time and uh, certainly the ability to impact our industry uh, as well. So this is a special 12 days of TMC edition of the last week in mortgage today. I am joined by PRMG's Chief Lending Officer, Kevin Perennial, MQMR's Internal Audit Manager, Scott Weintraub. And Scott, very interesting report that came out last week from the CFPB, a report highlighting supervisory findings of what they called wide-ranging violations of the law <laughs> this year. Isn't it always, right? <laughs> <laughs> In general, uh, the Rohit Chopra CFPB, uh, you know, it's it, it's starting to feel very, very much like the old uh, Rich Cordray CFPB, just in terms of their tone. There was this dust up with the FDIC and the disagreement over the bank merger thing. Um, it, it just it really, if you're a mortgage lender, it's got your attention to be sure, after some years of a really defanged CFPB, uh, a lot of the findings that they noted were related to fair lending violations, which uh, you know, ever since the Biden administration got into office, they've been uh, very open, in addition to all the leaders that they've uh, put in place, uh, talking about the importance of this issue. Uh, what were your thoughts? You guys are right in the middle of this MQMR. Uh, your thoughts on that report of those findings? Yeah, Rich, it's a great question. And I would just take one half step back generally. The fact that the CFPB puts out this guidance, right, like every six months is part of that is a good thing, right? It's a little bit of them opening up their playbook and we can see what they're looking at and even what they're finding. And so you're right. I thought the one that came out on Wednesday of last week was particularly interesting. One, it was certainly in alignment with Rich, with what you were just saying, that they there's been a huge focus on fair lending ever since Biden took office. It started his first week when he sent a memo to HUD saying, I want you to root out all discrimination uh, in housing, including the mortgage lending process. And so there were two points, Rich, I thought that I would raise today for the group. One is on the origination side, making the loans in the first place, there were the fair lending results. And what they focused on, or at least what they put in this particular edition of the highlights report, was focused on pricing exceptions. And that aligns a lot with, you know, it's a big part of what we do when we look at clients. And it's a lot of conversations that we have with companies. Among the things the CFPB found were, if a lender has policies and procedures that allows for pricing exceptions. Some don't even have the policy and procedure, so that would be problem number one, right? But if you have it, are you following them consistently? 
And equally importantly, do you have the documentation to show why it was justified to make a pricing exception? So for example, if a loan officer comes to you and says, mortgage XYZ down the street can do it for my borrower for an eighth less, so I need us to reduce the rate by an eighth or we're, you know, or we can't make the loan. Well, does the borrower or did the broker, if it was a wholesale transaction, provide you with something that shows that eighth less? Do you have something you can stick in the file that says this is why it was a competition thing that allowed us to lower the eighth to meet that in order to do the deal for the borrower? And do you maintain that documentation in your file? Another thing they talked about was a lot of companies have sort of a hybrid model for pricing exceptions. There are some levels where you'd have to go to a centralized, like your secondary marketing or cap markets department to get an exception approved. Whereas other times, loan officers or branch managers have the authority to grant pricing exceptions themselves, either entirely or up to a certain amount. And so that naturally leads to a potential risk for people out there doing different things. And what does different things lead to? It leads to different results. And that's what the CFPB was indicating that they found over the last six months or the first six months of the year, that particularly among African-Americans and female applicants and borrowers, they were not getting the same results. They were not getting exceptions, whereas more exceptions were being made to the so-called majority group, the non-protected class, um, white, non-Hispanic, borrowers. And so that's what they're finding. And the way to know if you have an issue like that or not is to track your exceptions and report on them, to use the Humda data that you should be collecting to know who's getting exceptions and who isn't. And so Rich, that's one part. If you don't know, then you don't know what you don't know, right? And so you don't know if you have an issue or not. The second thing I wanted to add is they also talked about the servicing side. And so that obviously you can get in just as much trouble on the servicing side with the loan as you can when you're making the loan in the first place. One of the things that I found really interesting that they found on the servicing side was they found servicers who were not evaluating loss mitigation applications in a timely manner, meaning within 30 days of when that loss mitigation application is complete or deemed complete by the servicer. And that obviously has real consequences for a borrower who's hopefully trying to stay in their home. And I now go back, Rich, to something the CFPB has said more than once when new laws have come out. They made this comment right back when COVID hit, that if a servicer is making, quote, good faith efforts to comply, they might not enforce things as strictly if they found errors. It's not the first time they've said something like that. And then also what happened not for the first time is that when it actually comes time and they come out and audit companies, they will hold them responsible. And so what you saw in this supervisory highlights report is the servicers told the CFPB, you know what, this was COVID times, we got an explosion of forbearances, people having trouble, our vendors upon whom we rely to provide us services, they were backed up and slow. We didn't have adequate staffing. How could we have in such a short time? And the CAPB basically told those servicers that wasn't good enough. And you weren't making good faith efforts to comply. Almost the opposite of what they said at the beginning, right? You ought to have added more staff. You ought to have done something about your vendors or whatever to take steps to make sure your borrowers weren't harmed. And as that report indicates, now the servicers are having to do that and make it any other remediations that may be 
going on with that company in particular. So I think the lesson is what the regulations require, that's there in print in black and white, isn't it, Rich? Even if the CPB says we may or may not enforce the best plan, and this is, I think, what we try to help our clients understand is the best plan is if there's a law or a reg out there, you know you're going to be safe if you comply with it, right? What, um, Whatever that means. So um, and I, I thought you know, I thought it was a big week, as Kevin said, a big week, obviously, with the market, but a big week whenever those highlights reports come out. I'd only add, Rich, that's not the only way the CFPB gives us information. They put settlement agreements on there as well. And to your point about fair lending, there was one recently with a bank, although I think they would apply the same standards to a non-bank in some sense, which is marketing. That's a big part of fair lending as well. And are you marketing to your consumers in a way um, that it encourages everyone to apply or in the jurisdictions where you do business? So a lot out there, Rich, from them. Yeah, they're clearly leaving a trail of breadcrumbs. Three, four weeks ago, they came out and said, hey, we the CFPB came out willingly and said, listen, we are really examining all this Humda data we're sitting on and the ways that we can use it to, uh, you know, try to, to find bias in lending. Uh, then they come out with this supervisory report. You know, let's not forget uh, Rich Cordray, uh, when he was in the position, he used that position in a very aggressive tone as the leader of it uh, to catapult himself into uh, run for the governor of Ohio. I've heard through the grapevine that Rohit Chopra, a very aspirational politician as well. So you got some young, uh, up and coming uh, politicians leading this division now that uh, are going to be very serious uh, about uh, achieving the results that they want to through it. Consumer protection is very popular populist topic as well. Um, so uh, something to keep an eye on. And KP, PRMG, you guys are all three channels. You guys are all 50 state. I can't even, I mean, take us a little bit inside, you know, your mindset as a leader, uh, you know, how you're just managing this issue, things like tracking exceptions. And I know you guys have been out in front of this and doing a lot of this stuff uh, you know, before the change in administration, but just would be curious as to your insight on this emerging topic in the industry. Well, I, I think we have some good uh, uh, ground tactical insight to uh, to offer to the rest of the collaborative. We just went through a CPP audit. It was our first one. And oh, okay. um, we uh, we had no findings, um, you know, a couple, couple things here and there. But what's interesting is there's a handful of lenders that are in the middle or have completed and gone through what would normally be the entire process. And now that it's over, they're like, okay, hang on. We need to figure out who's running the show here. We have no idea what's going on back in DC. So literally the CPB, there's some people that have been there, you know, since inception and they're kind of like the ones, the auditors that are doing the stuff and they're very cool. But now they're waiting for guidance and direction from leadership, which just got nominated, who's then trying to fulfill and uh, you know, fill all the other leadership positions and then kind of set their agenda, who they're going to target, what they're going to target, how they're going to target. They've got this data. They've got people like us teed up and ready you know, um, to, to engage with on whatever topics that um, they, they want to uh, prioritize, um, which you know, many of them um, you know, we, just, we just mentioned. So um, yeah, that, that's kind of where we're at. So you know, they're in a little bit of a holding pattern. Um, on a separate note, we, um, we beat our False Claims Act uh, which was cool. And um, I think, you know, our attorney, the representative said his his last 29 clients in a row all got fined and Department of J kicked it back and said, uh, hey man, Department of Justice says there's no, there's no there there. So you guys are good. So 
And that I think goes to, you know, self-reporting um, any, uh, you know, any defects with your loans. I will tell you the fact that we self-report on our HUD loans, if we have loans that are uninsurable, we, we say we have a loan that we think is uninsurable. We try and work through it. We're open, honest, and transparent about it. I think that's what helped us with the False Claims Act. And if you take that same mindset with the way you do origination um, and low compensation and, um, you know, your HUMDA data and your reporting, I mean, gosh, the last three years, we've just been hammering our HUMDA reporting to make sure that we've been getting caught up and more accurate and have less defects and bringing that, you know, flatten that curve of, um, of defect percentage. Um, we're very lucky. Um, Mark Ely is our uh, general counsel who we brought in a couple of years ago. He used to be at Finance of America, and he'd already been through a couple of these audits, main reason why we brought him over. He didn't want to work for the big, uh, you know, the big equity firm machine. And, you know, he liked our vibe a little better. And we had a guy that was kind of a novice and really unorganized. Uh, won't say any names, but he would have just got crushed in an audit like that. So we just got lucky. The timing came up with all of us. And, um, you know, here we are. So, uh, you know, I think if you do the right thing by the consumer, I don't think you have, um, um, you know, uh, a deal killer coming your way from the CFPB. But, you know, I mean, you know, it's like it's like regulars. I get it. Like they want to protect the consumer. And I'll just contend like I always do. Tell us what you don't want us to do and then we'll all go fix it. Like today, like right now. Like just tell us right now what you don't want us to do and we'll all go fix it. Nobody wants to find. But they don't. You know, if you're going back to the gotcha thing like you had with Cordray, which is an awful way to be a partner with the lending community that's serving the underserved, by the way. I mean, it's like, you know, we're the independent mortgage bankers in the communities rooted in the local communities doing the work the Biden administration wants, serving the underserved. So you're going to play gotcha with us? Help us help you. So I, I, I think yeah. they need to kind of get some alignment with what they want the CFPB to do versus actually achieve their housing goals. You know, and it's not going to come from creating a gotcha environment. And Cordray lost, by the way, in Ohio. So um, yeah, the wine. So yeah, so in such a great point about uh, you know self-reporting and self-identifying. I remember going through these things on the bank side, and that is such a big part of it. Um, and you know, like PMI, PMG, you guys are you know able at your size to have be able to hire internal counsel. But one of the reasons we wanted to have Scott on is a lot of TMC members you know, smaller independent mortgage banks, community banks, credit unions that, uh, you know, they don't have an internal audit department or an internal counsel. And it is really so important. I know Fannie and Freddie are now mandating it, Scott, to to have some sort of internal audit function that is you self, you know, willingly analyzing your organization, looking for defects, looking for uh, you know, deficiencies and things that you need to fix and being proactive about addressing them as opposed to the regulators finding when they come in, right, Scott? You're absolutely right, Rich. And I would just say what happened, Kevin, at your company doesn't happen by magic, right? Or luck. You mentioned maybe there's some luck in the timing, but the results of your CFPB exam were not lucky or magic, right? It was a lot of work, I think, that you and your colleagues put in. And you're right, not everyone has the resources, Rich, to do that internally. That's exactly why. MQMR is here and how we can help clients. And our goal is obviously, it's the opposite of gotcha, right? As Kevin mentioned, it's the opposite of that. It is to help our clients. And by help, I mean, we want them to be exam ready. We want them when the CFPB comes out or a state regulator, we want them to get the Kevin treatment, right? We want the no findings. And that's, and by one of the ways we can do that is by getting them prepared. If there is anything to find, we're going to find it. And we're going to make suggestions and help them work through those things and get their operations to be even more effective 
than they already are, right? Like I mentioned earlier, we go through every department that an organization has, and that's really important because you don't know necessarily where your risk might be coming from. And that's what we can help with, right? To know where your risk is coming from so you can be prepared when those audits happen. Yeah, and anybody that is not doing business with MQMR needs uh, help getting connected with them. Just reach out to me or anybody on our team and we can do that. And But as always, the time flies by. Uh, we're at the end of our half hour and we've got industry titan, Teresa Bryce Basemore, uh, as our keynote of the day that uh, is coming up in one minute. And uh, somebody from our he team- He is so awesome. Yeah. I, well, I, I saw her a few years ago the first time She's amazing. She's done a lot in this business. She's really cool. So for great. sure. Yeah, we've been trying to get her to speak for years at things we've done. And uh, luckily for us, she agreed to do it. So that's coming up right now. But uh, KP, as always, thank you very much. Always appreciate your insight, brother. Thank you. And Cheers, Scott. everyone. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And Scott, thank you very much. MQMR, five years now, a TMC partner. And uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of happy TMC lender members. And uh, you guys have done great work for the network. So really appreciate you and MQMR. Appreciate that. Thanks, Rich. Kevin, thanks for letting me be on with you. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays, everyone. Take care. Take care. Bye. Cheers. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.